This is a Pain Artistry production. We are two women in academia. Raising questions and breaking down perceptions. From a Black point of view. Welcome to the Black Black Gaze Podcast. It's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. Dr. D-Girl, what are we talking about today? Girl, this is this is a first. We got a two-parter. So today we are talking about part one, boating in the hood. Girl, we gonna step on some toes today, but you know what? My grandma say, tell the truth, shame the devil, girl. We gonna be talking about boating in the hood, honey. Um, <laughs> Wait, can I say something? We gotta have a ratchet moment because we had one last time. When you said that, only thing I can hear is Young Jeezy. Every time I do it, I do it for my hood. And every time I do it, I do it for yo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to get that out of my spirit, but go ahead. It's all good. So this one is for the hood. This one is for the hood. And I'm so excited about this because, um, you know, I feel like when we talk about voting and we always think about middle class and -hmm. and this is for the folks in the hood. So, you know, I'm from the hood, so I'm super excited about this. Um, But before we get into everything, uh, we're going to start by honoring our OGs. Triple OG, triple OG. So who is your OG for today, Dr. B? Okay, so for me, this is going to be a little different because I usually have like an OG that I actually know. But when we decided on this topic, I was like, uh-uh, I can't have this topic without shouting out uh, Auntie Fannie Lou Hamer. Come on, Fannie Lou. Come on, Th- Fannie Lou. That do sound like somebody auntie, though. But <laughs> wait, but honestly... Um, when I talk about voting, I often look at her for like direction. And I remember listening to a few of her interviews and one in particular was, I didn't know anything about voting. And in this interview, she talked about how she didn't know there was even a such thing as black folks being registered, um, to vote until 1962 when she was at church one night. But mm. baby, let me tell you, when she found out that there was a such thing as black folks voting, uh, Auntie Fannie Lou was out in them streets, okay? And so one of the things that she was able to do is she actually registered to vote. I make it sound easy, but it really wasn't easy because there were so many oppositions and things that she had to experience in order to get to that point of voting. But mm-hmm. in 1964, she actually did a speech at the um, Democratic National Convention in Atlantic City, New Jersey. And when she did that speech, this speech was so powerful because many of you are familiar with this line, but she was like, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. Honey. And it, huh, don't don't you feel it in your shining eye? I feel it. And so in this speech, she addressed the issue of black voting rights, racial violence, inclusion of black delegates in the political party. And so Fannie Lou went around to really make sure that black people understood that they had the right to register and to vote and to help them to face whatever oppositions they were going to have to face. So she really was a straight OG about it. So today I am honoring Auntie Fannie Lou Hamer. So shout out to her and may she rest in heavenly peace. Honey, and listen, I love that you opened up with T.T. Fannie Lou because for real, she is the original OG. And when listening to Fannie Lou, like you get it, right? And I'm thinking about the Joe Madison show. He always say, um, you got to put it where the goats can get it. And when I look at Fannie Lou's 
old work and like her videos and some of the things that she used to do, like everyone can access that information. And that's what I love about the Black Gays too. We make sure it doesn't matter what level of work you are in, you can access our stuff. So I'm really excited about this topic. So girl, I'm gonna share my OG, the original OG. OG. Um, it's my grandmother, Beverly Dawson. Um, oh, hey, Grandma Beverly Dawson. <laughs> I call her grandmother, but my um, cousins, they call her Grandma Tiny. But I just want to, you know, get ready for my story time. Don't you say nothing smart. Get ready for my story time. Oh, y'all get your tea. Get coffee. <laughs> Something to She just said she's hush done Hush now. Hush now. So my siblings and I, we were actually reared by my grandmother. So I had uh, six siblings. I have five now. But six of us were reared by my grandmother. And so my grandmother made a huge, huge sacrifice to to raise us. So when we first started living with my grandmother, we lived with my grandmother in the suburbs. And so we had just got out of foster care and moved in with her and her husband in the suburbs. But as you can imagine, when you put six children in foster care of course when they get out of foster care they're going to have a ton of issues so we definitely enter my grandmother and her husband's home with a bunch of trauma but after my sister was having a lot of struggles my grandfather put us out on the street and so we didn't have anywhere to go we moved in with my aunt at the time to finish out the school year and then we actually went to a shelter And while we were in the shelter, they had to find somewhere for us to go. And so to find a place for seven people, eight people to live is a lot. And the one space that they had was in the hood. But um, the reason why I'm bringing her up today, because I remember her voting um, when we were in the hood. So my grandmother has never, ever had a car, nor does she drive. She doesn't have a driver's license. But I remember my grandmother walking from our apartment in the hood to the church on the main street to vote. And there were sometimes, of course, because there's, you know, seven of us, my grandmother would put us on the bus. And I remember us getting off the bus before our bus stop and walking into the church for my grandmother to vote. And so even though she didn't take the time to articulate like, hey, this is what you all should be doing when you become adults. I will never forget her getting up early before she had to go to work to walk to the voting polls. Wow. And then sometimes being on the bus with us, taking all seven of us, we got to get off before our stop for my grandmother to go in to vote. So my OG for the day is my grandmother, Beverly Dawson. Wow. First of all, friend, let me tell you, shout out to you for your transparency because I believe that's going to get somebody delivered today. Girl, but come on here. Also, shout out to your grandmother, Beverly Dawson. Come on. That's what yes. I'm, oh, Listen, I'm oh, it's about to go down up in this joint today. So, friend, you know, we always got to be transparent. So I opened up with my story. Maybe, you know, we'll have another podcast so I can go a little bit deeper in it. But let's just talk about our experiences in the hood. I'm going to let you start first. Well, let me say that um, growing up with my Nana um, and Papa and um, cousins and everything. My Nana was in a sorority and we attended a black church. So I remember folks voting and I remember seeing a voting poll or a voting place, but I do not remember it being something that was really huge in my community. I think it was huge for like the people who were, you know, college educated or the people who were in the um, Divine Nine. But I don't know if it really went beyond that. 
And mm. so I want to first shout out my hood. Lumber Hi. 10. Okay. Lumber 10, a.k.a. L-Town. And, you know, I got to go a little bit deep for 41. What's up? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's a wretched. Um, <laughs> but no, no, you ain't about to play 106 French Street. We out here. But we lived yeah. on the south side of Lumberton, which was pretty much black. If you heard me say all of what I just said, you know that joint was pretty much black. <laughs> I don't even know if we had no white people over there. But we had black churches. We had um, the Apex gas station. Those from Lumberton listening, y'all remember in Shortstop, which was a gas station, we had a black elementary school. Um, shout out to WH Knuckles. I went. Um, and then we had the wreck and we had a small grocery store that was like the cash and carry, which was really a local grocery shop. So when I think about our community, when I'm looking, thinking about voting and all those things, I was thinking about like the layout of our community. And I was like, was our community really designed and structured for us to thrive in this community? Because mm. I was just thinking about you know, dang, it, it really didn't, it, for us, we didn't know no different, but it really, now looking back, it really wasn't. So when it comes to voting, I remember we had folks that run, ran for like local elections, like the school board and things like that, but, and they were black. And I remember folks coming to the church to have conversations and maybe like open forums but it wasn't like I ever felt like there was a push like y'all better vote because we need to mm-hmm. or you know we need to change our community so y'all need to vote and I would even say that I don't remember there being a push to educate us mm-hmm. on our right to vote and I know that some hoods do this so I don't want to like generalize this but the majority of the hoods I know about they in the same situation. There's not really a push to educate folks on voting or to push to get people out there to vote. And like, that's not usually a big thing. And if it is, it usually is about the presidential election as opposed to local elections, which I really think are the uh, most impactful as some in some cases. So that's my hood story. Shout out to Lumberton. 41, what's up? 41, what's up? So, girl, you know if you go shout out your hood, you know I wasn't going to miss an opportunity to shout out Witten Terrace, affectionately known as the T or Brick City. Witten Terrace, stand up. Where y'all stand up. <laughs> um, so, I grew up in Witten Terrace, and if you say Witten Terrace, and I'm going to just, you know, insert this story really quick. I remember when I first started when I first became a teacher and I was working in Maryland and this teacher, another black teacher came and sat next to me. He was like, where are you from? Cause you ain't from around here. I was like, I'm from Cincinnati. And he was like, we're at in Cincinnati. And I was like, when Terrace, he looked at me in my face. He was like, don't come up in here, bringing that mess up in here. <laughs> no, but can I just stop you for a second? Why you was like, I'm from Cincinnati. Like that's supposed like, that's like Christian. I'm, so. I'm from Cincinnati. Y'all better know. Girl, we don't know nothing about Cincinnati, but WKRP is Cincinnati. I'm mad that you know that. But listen, when you talk about Wynn Terrace, people only know the negative perceptions of Wynn Terrace. And it was, we had challenges, but it was a very fruitful space for us. But I remember my grandmother walking to the polls, but I got to be 100. I never, ever in my time of living in Wynn Terrace, and I lived there for a minute. 
I've never seen any politicians walking around from door to door educating people about, you know, whatever policies mm-hmm. were coming up or any new elections. Girl, first of all, people weren't walking around in Web Terrace to begin with, right? And so, <laughs> but the people who live there, so when I think about voting, all I remember is my grandmother walking to the voting polls, but I never remember the work that's being done like where I live now. Now, in all full transparency, I do not live in the hood right now. I live in the upper middle class community, but I can tell you right now, when I tell you these people be knocking on my door all the time and I just be pretending like they ain't there because I got work to do but they knock on the doors every week we get materials about the presidential election about the local elections the people who are running for the local elections they show up right and so you can ride around our neighborhood and see all types of signs of who's running for what and so when I think about living in the hood I'm like okay I never experienced that when I was growing up there is a concerted effort to educate you but I'm gonna take you a step further when I told y'all my grandmother had to walk to the voting polls right and so where I grew up it's like the top of the hill and the bottom of the hill where the voting poll was that my grandmother walked to was kind of in the middle Mm -hmm. so if the people at the bottom of the hill wanted to vote I promise you they would have to walk at least 20 to 30 minutes to vote and see that right there discourages you come on now but also you could take the bus but do you want to use your money where you know you are already having challenges you already got to catch the bus to and from work so when I think about voting in the hood, I can clearly see the differences in the time and the effort that is put into middle class spaces as opposed to living in the hood. But shout out to Wynn Terrace. Don't worry, we gon' we gonna get folks together today, honey. Come on, uh-huh. Wynn Terrace. Come on, <laughs> listen. Why why we do this topic? Because this is this ain't going right. This ain't going this, right. It, it, it's gonna be good. <laughs> but girl. can you <laughs> but can you talk about why why are we doing this topic? Why is this important? Break give us some history, some breakdown, some knowledge. Girl, so I'm going to just keep it 100, 1,000. I am sick of people shaming Black people who do not vote, right? Mm. And so I know that there are many challenges, and as I'm calling it today, a bunch of trickery that takes place um, that keep Black people from voting. But I think that before we can just force, because I know voting is important, I participated in it. I annotate ballots. I do the whole nine yards, but I do recognize that I'm in a different space where I can educate myself. But like you said, you don't remember anybody walking around. You remember, you know, certain things, but no one really pushing the efforts. But I think we got to be honest and also talk about the barriers and the trickery that's in place. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I want to share some of those things with everyone so that people can know it's real. I want to just talk about the challenges of living in the hood, and then I'll talk about some of the trickery. As I talked about earlier, my grandmother did not drive. And so my grandmother used to have to get tokens. This, I'm, I'm telling my age. But my grandmother used to have to get tokens from the welfare in order to pay for us to get on the bus. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, we definitely had access to food stamps at the time. And my grandmother did not get any other funding for us in terms of being able to pay for us 
you know, the very basic things of the world of like going to school, you know, having food on our table besides food stamps, keeping a roof over our head. So when I think about people who live in the hood, I don't think that they believe in their heart that voting isn't important. It's just that their number one thing right now is to survive. Right. And so at that time, if no one's coming around to educate them as opposed to shaming them, then they won't really think it's that important because they don't really see themselves because I didn't see myself in voting. I saw my grandmother voting, but I didn't really learn about voting for real until I went to college but let me just tell y'all how they just out here just tricking folks so the first thing is voter suppression is real absolutely especially in low-income um, community so I'm gonna just share with you all some of the issues that we're up against so voter ID laws right so in certain mm. states they require people to have three forms of identification in order to vote. Now, the last time I checked, I just got a new job, honey. And the only thing that I needed was two types of identification to prove that I should have a job. So where do you have three? I mean, somebody tell me what's going on. I'm even trying to think of what are the three? Like I got an ID and a social security card. What? I guess you would need a, I guess you could use your birth certificate or your dad going, um, but you know, when you fill out an application for the job, they say the birth certificate and the, and the social security card are, are the same. So you got to have one or the other. Correct. So what do you need a passport? I'm confused. So if you think about the people who live in the hood, especially if they don't drive, right, they might have some level of basic identification and maybe their social security card, but this would be very difficult for them to vote if they don't have those three um, forms of IDs. No, it's not like this in every state, but this is some of the trickery that's in place that keep people um, mm -hmm. in the hood from voting. The second one is gerrymandering. Oh, yes. And gerrymandering is when they redraw specific districts so more um, seats are possible to be won by a specific party, mm -hmm. right? So now think about, and this is why it's so important for those local elections, you start to see how they're drawing the communities, right? And so you can see how many seats go into that specific space. But if you're not involved in the, those local elections, you can't see that gerrymandering happen. So that's another thing that keeps people from voting. But even if you think about the hood that I grew up in, all of, so I grew, I actually lived in many different low income housing in Cincinnati, but over the years, they've torn those communities down to now have all of these lofts and townhomes. So all of gentrification, gentrification is real, but now they've moved all of those low income people into Winton Terrace for the most part. And so the way the community is drawn, Winton Terrace is actually a part of a community called Winton Hills, but you never hear them talk about Winton Hills with Winton Terrace. They just say Winton Terrace is its own entity. So it's important for us to understand um, gerrymandering, but this is the one that really, really pushed me over the edge purge voter rolls right so these folks out here if you have not voted in consecutive elections in some states they will remove your name from the voter poll second they will also remove your name if they sent a letter out to your house and you didn't fill the letter out to verify that this is where you live they will remove your name from the poll hold up hold up hold up so you trying to tell me if i am dormant that they would take my name off of the voting the voting ledger or whatever it is Correct. But this is the thing. If you like me, I can't stand mail, 
right? So some of the things I'd be like, this ain't got nothing to do with me. I was going to say that. This ain't got nothing to do with me. And I would throw it right in the garbage. And I also think about like a lot of the older folks who live in the hood, right? Who get a lot of mail all the time and might not think that that is really real. So they might look at it and say, this don't got nothing to do do with me. And from what I understand, a lot of the older people are the people that are being purged off of the rolls or people who have never voted before. They might have voted, you know, when Obama won and then they haven't voted again. So check the rolls to make sure that your name is still on there. But this is the one that really, really hits my family is convicted felons. Right. Mm -hmm. So we know that we have black people who have went to jail, who lived in the hood, who have went to jail for a small, you know, just like a small little dime bag of marijuana. Right. Not a dime bag, little twin, twin, twin. (laughs) A little twin, twin, twin. (laughs) And they they're now convicted felons. Right. And so. In some states, convicted felons can't vote. So if you think about the amount of people who actually live in the hood, I'm just keeping it 100, there are a lot of convicted felons that live there. And even in the states where they have tried to change that, folks are working really hard to overturn it. Let me give you another example, the poll tax. So if you were ex-felon, in Florida, this just happened. Florida voted to allow ex-felons to vote, which I think is important because you did your time, honey. Let me go. Let me go. Let me start over. Um, what they are doing in Florida is that, okay, you're ex-felon, you can vote, but now you have to pay all of your fines and fees that were associated with your sentences in order to vote. Now, if you just got out of jail. Where are you working at, though? Where are you working at? Because that application is going to ask you are you a felon? And nine times out of 10, that application is going to be determined that you're not going to get that job. So where are you working at though? That's a trick from the devil. Girl, I call it all of this trickery, but I ain't even done though. I ain't even done. They close and polls, honey. Close and polls. So if you look at a lot of, if you've been paying attention to the news, I know the news is triggering, but you'll see in most hoods and black communities, you'll see black people standing in line for hours to vote and the reason why is because they closed certain polling locations and merged them all together causing people to have to stand in line for a very long time if you paid attention to some of the some of the states they closed the polling locations while people were standing in line people banging on the doors to actually get in and vote and they couldn't right and not only did they form that trickery but in some of the spaces people were showing up and they were like oh the machines don't work now i know for sure that they're supposed to check those machines before the day of the voting so why is it just so happenstance that now you can't access the daggone voting machines when you roll up in there to vote mm. last one and i and, and this is gonna be on you friend they took the machines out of the post office to sort the mail So let me tell you, prior to the coronavirus hitting, a lot of wealthy folks voted by mail. Because you know why? They got their little houses in Florida, so they might not be home during the voting season, right? Or they might be up in the mountains somewhere. So they all have voted by mail before. But all of a sudden, when everybody, they're saying, okay, it's the coronavirus, let's be safe. That's allowed people to vote by mail. Let's now get rid of the sorting machines to actually sort the mail. Then they out here taking people's daggone mailboxes out of their community. <laughs> I'm thinking like, I'm I'm sitting here thinking now where I grew up in the projects, right? There were, you would have to catch the bus to get to the post office. So the only way that we could mail something was that we would have to go to those blue mailboxes. Girl, they out here rounding the blue mailboxes up 
and taking them out the community. So I'm thinking about the folks in the hood. How they going to send they, they ballot in if they ain't got no mailboxes? <laughs> and so I'm going to say this just to give you um, an opportunity to share your preaching points, friend, is that voting got to be important if they working this hard specifically to make sure that people in the hood don't vote. And yes, these things impact middle class people, but most of us have cars and we have access and we know we're educated enough to know what we can do. But this really frustrates me because these are the things that impact the people in the hood the most, which is why a lot of people push back and say voting doesn't matter because they put all of these things in place so that you can't vote. But I'm telling you that if they will work this hard to ensure that you can't vote, I promise your vote is important. So, friend, give us some preaching points because these people that made me mad, my jaw hurt and everything. Go. I'm just sitting here. First of all, why did you say the people was in the mountains? They went to the mountains? They went to the mountains since the coronavirus. Girl, they wanted to get away from the coronavirus. You know what? Say no more. Let me let me give y'all some preaching points because this is right here. Somebody come get us, like for real. But no, I'm so mad right now. I'm hot. It ain't hot. But let me no for real. Let me give y'all some preaching points here because thank you, Doctor P, for giving us so many of the obstacles. And you would think that everything that you said you gave us about 511 that this would be back in 1960s when Fannie Lou and them was out here. This is not the case. This is right now in 2020. And so one of the things that I want us to do as black folks is I want us to take into consideration the language that you are using when referring to folks in the hood voting. And I know this sounds crazy, but I remember you sent me this week or over the weekend, the um, commercial that was in the barbershop. I think it was the Joe Biden campaign or whatever. And I was listening to it and I love the beauty of it. I, I, I like the concepts and everything, but something in there was like, uh, people don't vote or something. The comment or statement really stood out to me. It struck me because I keep hearing that black people don't vote or black people don't want to vote or black people in the hood don't vote. And I'm so tired of folks saying this because we need to get to the bottom of this. First, mm-hmm. let's acknowledge that black people have had so many obstacles when it comes to voting, whether it was poll taxes, literacy tests, gerrymandering, all kinds of the other things that you named, even when we talk about it, all of the kinds of ways that they try to disenfranchise black voters. So let's make sure that we're knowledgeable to understand that a lot of times it's not that black people don't want to vote. It is black people can't vote. Like they're against them. So let's not say folks don't want to vote because it's not always the case. I want to also address how ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, reported that black Americans of voting age are more than four times as likely to lose their voting rights than any other group in the adult population. Let that marinate with your mind. With that trickery. Listen, one of every 13 adults is disenfranchised, according to this ACLU article that I read. Let me add to this pot, because we're about to make a gumbo with this, a hot mess dang gumbo. 38% of the disenfranchised population in America is Black. Mm. Make that make sense, in the words of my daughter. <laughs> Let me add, because she always asks it, make that make sense. Let me add one more thing to this pot. If you are in, and you touched on this, if you are in Vermont and Maine, just to name two places, and you are in prison, guess what you get to do? Come on. You get to vote. Mm. 
You in prison in Vermont and Maine. Somebody tell me why. Because here's the thing. Vermont and Maine are the whitest states in America. I, not I melanated. Mean, two of the white. Not, not Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm not giving space. But this thing that got me hot. I'm sorry. They're the, they're the two most non-melanated states. And you got incarcerated people voting. Why don't we have that in other states? Why isn't that an option for everybody? So I'm going to let that rest. Number two. Hold on, friend. Before you let that rest, y'all know I got a father that's in prison, honey. We ain't going to talk about that. That's for another day. But I think about all of the goods <laughs> that are made mm -hmm. by prison labor. So my thing is giving people in jail or in prison the opportunity to vote, it lets them make decisions about things that are going to impact them once they exit the prison, right? Mm -hmm. So I don't see any I don't see anything wrong with people in prison voting because a lot of the laws that we are passing right now are going to impact them when they come out. So they got a lot of time to sit and think and this gives them the opportunity to make an educated decision. I'm just saying, and if they letting the non-melanated folks vote, why not let the people in the hood that are in prison vote? I'm just saying. But go ahead, friend. And so with that being said, those who are not incarcerated, this is why we can't play around with voting. We have to make up for all the trick bag situations that our people are in. And so I am reminded of Frederick Douglass in May 1865. He said this. No, I wasn't in here in 1865, but I'm, I'm well-read black girl, okay? <laughs> so he says, um, slavery is not abolished until the black man has the ballot. I would even remix that and say slavery is not abolished until the black man in woman or however you identify has the ballot. Okay. Mm. So with that being said though, because we're talking about voting, I would like to say that black men, we need you. Mm. Black women are literally considered the backbone of the democratic party when it comes to voting. They are the party's most loyal demographic base. If we mm. look at the 2008 and 2012 elections, my forever president, uh, Barack Obama, black male voters showed up and showed out in these two elections. However, when it came to 2016 and your girl um, Hillary was on that ballot, child, I don't know where y'all was at. Y'all ain't show up like you did before. And there's reasons for that. I know y'all saw a black man, so we was right behind him. But look at the mess we in, right? So we can't mm. have this again. Black men, we need you out here voting. We need you out here in the polls. And listen, you got a whole Kamala Harris on the ballot. So it's not like there's not a purpose for the work in the voting. And then the third thing that I want to point out is I'm not going to just rest on the fact that black men need to vote because black folks need to move as a unit, as a collective with this one. And so I want to shout out to um, the organization. I want to shout out the organizations and people who are doing this work. Um, there are a collective of athletes with LeBron James headlining called the more than a vote. They are investing millions to try to recruit poll workers in black communities. Um, shout out to the NAACP with the Black Voice Change Lives campaign, which is working to peer-to-peer -peer organizing in Black communities. 
And then a huge shout out to everyone registering folks to vote, figuring out ways to get folks to the, to the voting polls. We are going to have to be organized and ready for all of the trick bag situations. These upcoming elections are going to be beyond important. Like, I don't even know if I'm gonna be able to stay in the US of A if we got to continue on in these four years like we just came out of. My, I, I'm serious, my psyche can't take it. My life can't take it. Yeah. We are going to really have to educate ourselves in the hoods and let people know that we got work to do. We got to fight. It's hard to believe that, and I get it. It's hard to believe that your vote counts when you don't see it, right? Mm -hmm. Because I feel like in the 2016 election, remember, we still came off of that Obama energy. So I believe that people were voting in that election, but it's kind of difficult when you see the popular vote is in favor of the person you voted for, but the electoral vote says different. And I think that was an educated moment for a lot of folks because people was confused. Like, well, wait a minute, how this woman didn't win when all the votes is going this way? Mm. So I get it, but we cannot go out like this. Too many of our ancestors and elders have put themselves on the line. So whether we got to pick up folks, masked up, masked up now with your gloves on or whatever it may be, we got to get out here and do it. So let's vote. And listen, friend, I'm going to add just a few things to your preaching points. Um, and this is for any politicians who decide to listen to the Black Gays podcast. We welcome you. Um, welcome. I, <laughs> I think that we definitely need to talk about in, in, our, um, in our part two of this um, voting series. We're definitely going to talk about some of the things that are on the table for Black people. But I just want us to be very mindful that a lot of our policies and the things that we put forth don't trickle down to poor people right? It kind of stays in the middle class. And I am one of those people who benefit from it. But I just want to share, you know, as a part of the preaching point, some of the things that my grandmother shared with me that she felt like really helped poor people. Like, and these are some of the policies that we need to think about, which will also encourage people in the hood to vote. One, you have to give them something too. People don't choose poverty. I don't care what anybody say. You want to come argue with me, come get me. People don't choose poverty, right? And so my grandmother talks about the ways in which when I was coming up and when we lived in the hood, how there were youth jobs available, right? So it gave people something to look forward to. A lot of that funding has been cut right? She mm -hmm. talks about the ways in which our recreation center was open and free to everyone who lived in the hood. So parents had somewhere to send their children after school so that they could work. Also, the youth workers, we worked in those recreation centers, so we had access to jobs. There was skating at the recreation center. There were there was swimming. There were opportunities for us to be fed. Like they fed us breakfast and lunch in the summertime. And in the when school was in, we had a hot meal for dinner when our parents were at work. Those things have to be reinstituted. Also, I share the fact that me and some of my close friends, we went on a college tour for free. That was paid for by the community, right? And so those were, those were resources that were put into the community. What type of housing options do we have available for people who live in the projects right now? There is only a limited amount of Section 8 or a limited amount of opportunities to move into spaces that really give you some pride and where you live are those some of the policies that are going to be instituted what do the poor people get from them voting so yes it's important for them to vote and i think we all were excited when we 
got President Obama, but we can't just be excited to get a black person in office. We got to ask for something. And so in our ask, we have to think about are the policies that we putting in place actually trickling down to the poor people because it's one thing for us to raise the middle class but what are we doing for the people who are at the bottom and that's what I want us to start thinking about like if we're going to ask for people to vote which I think is important and our ancestors died for it what else can they get from this vote I'm not saying withhold the vote because people who are saying that are fools what I'm saying is we also have to include them in getting something when they vote also so I wanted to add that. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. But and listen, y'all better get out there and vote. Our lives depend on it. Your Literally. life depend on it. My life depend on it. Our futures depend on it. So that's all I'm going to say. We're going to go on to our next segment, which is one of my favorites. What you reading, though? Hey, what you reading in there? So what you reading? Listen, I am reading. Actually, when I tell you what I'm reading, you're going to know that I've been triggered. You know, I am reading The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. I'm actually reading that coupled it with um, Hood Feminism because last week I was talking about on our last episode that I'm reading that. But I had to pull out Uncle Jimmy because um, in this book, there's two um, pertinent essays, I would say. And I needed to channel him mm. because I've been going through some things, okay? Um I think I'm experiencing racial battle fatigue. So I had to call on Uncle Jimmy to give me like direction. Like how you handle all of this in your time? Because I need to figure out how to handle it in my time. So that's what I'm reading. Fire, The Fire Next Time by James Baldwin. What you reading now? Look, you making me want to pick that back up. We read that when I was a student at Spelman. I might have to pick that one. You probably need to channel it, my friend. Listen, because child. Um, <laughs> so what I'm reading right now is actually I'm not reading. I'm going to start reading it this week. I'm really excited. I got to be completely transparent. I have a lot of anxiety around this election, which is why I am. I'm glad we're talking about it. Like every time I turn on the TV, and I see a person's face, like my stomach literally drops and it baffles me that people don't see the truth. And we are literally like, I'm tired of negotiating my humanity. And so what I am reading right now is just a break from all of the things <laughs> concerning being black in this, in this country right now. So I'm really excited to um, read a new novel by called Grown by Tiffany Jackson, who was a, a graduate of Howard University. Um, I've read two of her other books with my niece, Monday's Not Coming and Allegedly, and she's an amazing writer. So her new book just debuted um, September 15th. And so I wanted to support her and put some money in her pocket. And so I'll be reading that this weekend um, while we're camping. I am going to have to um, get that for Ariana. She is going to like that. Listen, listen, I'm going to try to get my niece to uh, join in, girl, but she grown now. So we'll see. Okay, Nisi Poo, be grown, girl, be grown. So look, we gonna go ahead and shift to, I see you. I see you shining. So Dr. P, who do you see? Who is out here doing this? Girl, so I had to think of someone who's really on the ground, who really understands voting in the hood. So I have to shout out my mother in love, Miss Carolyn Porcher. Um, shout out to Miss Porcher. Come on. When I tell you, she made me step my game all the way up. So I got to be transparent and say that my mother in love is 
involved in everything. She's a part of a sorority, but she's a part of a lot of local organizations, national organizations that focus on voting. And I got to be 100. She told me and Mo, uh, when we were away, when we were out of the country, she looked us in our face and was like, Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And we were like, uh-uh, we do not want Joe Biden. She was like, Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. And that <laughs> is the power of Black elder voters. Like, they know what it takes to get to the mm-hmm. next line. And I know that we have our, our ideas of what we need. But just where we are right now in the country, my mother-in-law knew what it would take for us to get to the next level. So she told us about that. Man, shout out to her. But anyway, she is super active she does she works at the pole she gets out she hits the pavement pre-covid to get people informed about voting but i love my mother in love because she is also very involved in local things so she is uh involved in the uh school board and she ain't got nobody in school in South Carolina but she's like the only way that we stay abreast of what's going on in our community is to be involved so they know who my mother in love is and she also is the person who taught me and my husband how to annotate our ballots so when we get ballots in the mail she's like look up every single person she's like I don't care who the old dogs were look them up see what their platforms are and then you make an educated decision mm-hmm. so I just want to shout out my mother in love who is out here doing the work I can tell you right now she's probably making phone calls the girl does not play in these streets so I just want to shout her out and thank you for doing the work and paving the way for people to come be behind us because we keep I know that there was a lot of elder shame when Joe Biden was um the nominee like why did they choose them and I'm like they're the people on the ground doing the work so we have to allow them to lead in some instances but we're gonna have to have conversations together we cannot be against each other so shout out to my mother in love okay I see you I see you shining who do you see friend I'm going to shout out my mama. In the beginning of the podcast, I talked about how um, I was living with my nana and papa and cousins and whatever. And the reason being is because my mother had joined the military. And so um, she is a veteran. But when it comes to this topic of voting, I can remember, uh, and I'm so proud of her because if you know my mama, this is like, this is, um, this is funny. When she was out there, uh, 2008, 2012 canvassing, like going door to door during um, our previous elections and even up until um, early spring before um, COVID, she was saying, you know, I'm going to go, I'm, um, I'm ready, girl. I'm about to go out here and do this canvassing when this election, you know, get closer or whatever, but then COVID came. Um, mm. so she actually not only is a veteran, but she also really takes serious voting. Like she takes it serious when there's an election. I remember last year, the state that she lives in did not do a good job letting people know, because remember they changed voting dates this year, Mm -hmm. earlier this year, they did not do a good job telling people the new dates. And so when she found out, she had to send text messages and call people like, y'all better go out and vote. And it was really crazy to me that so many people did not know that the new election date had occurred. And Mm. so um, I just want to shout her out for how serious she takes voting and for the work that she does to make sure that people um, get out there to the polls and that they not only get out there, but they vote for 
the right candidate, the candidate that we need for change. I see you shining. And you know what, friend? As you talked about your your mom and mommy, I see you and my mother in love. I can't help but close out and say, as we're thinking about canvassing and getting out there and voting and getting people registered, think about what would happen if we showed up in the hood. That would Just be powerful. What would happen? That, that would be, be so, so powerful. That mm -hmm. would be powerful. And so because of that, I do want you all to take on the spirit of my mom and text people, call people, make sure that your folks is out here doing the good work and getting people to the polls. So my mom, Kamala Moore, I see you. We see y'all. Well, we know y'all want to stay on here with us all day. And listen, we just scratched the surface with voting and we will be having a part two coming up really soon. But y'all, we got to go. We got jobs. We got things to do. So it's your girl, Dr. Porcher. And it's your girl, Dr. Bertrand. And we, we out. out.